Hey, I'm Jesse. We're in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. Everything is permissible. Does that sound familiar? He's brought that up a couple of times already in this book. But not everything is beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything builds up. No one is to seek his own good, but the good of the other person. Eat everything that is sold in the meat market without raising questions for the sake of conscience, since the earth is the Lord's and all that is in it. If any of the unbelievers invites you over and you want to go, eat everything that is set before you without raising questions for the sake of conscience. But if someone says to you, this food is from a sacrifice, do not eat it out of consideration for the one who told you and for the sake of conscience. I do not mean your own conscience, but the other person's. For why is my freedom judged by another person's conscience? If I partake with thanksgiving, why am I criticized? Because of something for which I give thanks. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Give no offense to Jews or Greeks or the church of God, just as I also try to please everyone and everything, not seeking my own benefit, but the benefit of many, so that they may be saved. Imitate me as I also imitate Christ. So he wraps up at last this three chapters long discourse when it comes to idolatry and eating food sacrificed to idols. In the Corinthian context, the roots for this tradition ran really, really deep. And so it was hard to draw a line in the sand for the Corinthian believers when it came to eating meat sacrificed to idols without being legalistic. In the old covenant, God gave commands to the people through Moses. Moses wrote it out and then the people abided by it. That's how the entire Old Testament sacrificial system came about. And it was just very clear. God would have a law, he'd speak it through his servant, the servant would speak it to the people. In the case of the Ten Commandments, it would be etched in stone by the very finger of God. And there it is, we all abide by it. But in the new covenant, the law is fulfilled. So you can see the tightrope act that Paul then carries out because if he does what the what the uh, Jerusalem elders did in the book of Acts, and that is like issue this decree, this definitive prescriptive statement regarding the meat sacrifice to idols, then all of a sudden he's just added on to the law. And now it's love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and mind and strength and also don't eat meat sacrifice to idols. <laughs> and it, see how it just corrupts it. It takes from this beautiful encapsulation that Jesus himself said sums up all the law and all the prophets. Right? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then adds on a dietary restriction to it. It just it goes from this beautiful universal scope to a very myopic scope and focus. So without adding on to the law, Paul will tip from one side to make that consideration. Look, if you go to somebody's house and they put meat in front of you and they tell you it was sacrificed to an idol, don't eat it. Not out of your own conscience, because you know that there's no demons in the meat, all right? It's just meat. God gave it to us. We can eat everything that's put before us. Like, since the earth is the Lord's and all that's in it. That's verse 26 of chapter 10. But out of consideration for the conscience of the one serving you, choose not to eat it. Because you don't want to cause them to stumble. Hey, I was able to get Paul to eat demon meat. Maybe this Christianity thing isn't for real. So he knows that he can eat the meat. There's nothing magical about the meat, but if that's going to affect his conscience, then you forego it. And then he tips the scale the other the other direction as, as well uh, to say like, look, why am I being criticized? 
for something for which I give thanks. Look, whether you eat or you drink, you do it all to the glory of God. So the tightrope walking does this. And Paul does a brilliant job of giving a clear teaching without drawing, without adding on to the law of the New Testament. He gives the example of when you're served meat, consider the conscience of the one who serves you. But then on the other end of the spectrum, he knows at the end of the day, look, why, why, why are you going to judge the man based on what he eats or drinks? In fact, this will come up again in Romans chapter 14. Like don't, the, the Lord, the kingdom of the Lord is bigger than food. It's bigger than drink. Don't divide God's kingdom over what people eat and what people drink. That's a petty thing. Okay, dismiss that. So in just these few verses, he's tipped from one side to the other, striking a balance on either in either end of the issue. In the original context of Corinth, the original recipients, they would have said, okay, thank you for this, Paul. This actually does really clear things up because they, were, they found themselves in ethically murky waters all the time. You and I, we don't have meat markets that are making sacrifices to idols, and so it's a little harder for us to grasp. But that, that, that ambiguity is gonna help us understand what comes next in chapter 11. What is universally applicable is where Paul wrapped the whole thing up. Whether you eat or drink, whatever you do, do everything for the glory of God. Do it all for the glory of God. That's pretty cool. That's a, that's a really helpful statement. That's a really helpful teaching. Can the thing that you're doing glorify God in some way? And if there's absolutely no way in which a given course of action could lead to the glory of God, probably not the right course of action. You do take into consideration, you give no offense to Jews or Greeks or the church of God. Okay, you don't go out of your way to try to offend people, but you try to please everyone. Not always possible, but you try. Not seeking for his own benefit, but for the benefit of many. And why is this the very bottom line of it all? So that they may be saved. That's the bottom line. That's the bottom line. I'll give you an example of these devotions and my sermons and everything. I am a very passionate, very passionate adherent to like modern day politics. I ravenously consume news from a variety of sources and I have a lot of super strong opinions on politics. Um, those who have been around me, um, you know, in the, where, where politics comes up and I feel the green light, I will let it fly. But I never do that in the context of a devotion. I never did it in the context of a sermon. It would be inappropriate of me. And I don't want to cause a barrier to be built between me and somebody that I'm trying to reach for the gospel, especially when I don't care that much about that barrier compared to the gospel. All right, my interest in politics is pretty big, but my passion for the gospel of Jesus Christ is infinitely larger. And I will happily set aside my preference to get political any day if it means that I'm eliminating a barrier between me and somebody that I'm trying to reach for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I don't try to offend Democrats or Republicans or Libertarians. I don't try to offend anybody. I try to do right by everybody. And all of this is so that people would be saved. So that people would be saved. And as a result, I've been able to have friendships across a variety of views that are totally different from my own. It leads to a really enriched life. I highly recommend it. If you find that your Facebook feed is kind of an echo chamber and the only people who are there are people who agree with you and you can't post anything with, uh, that ever gets disagreed with, then you might need to diversify your life a little bit. You might need to apply 1 Corinthians 10 in this way. You don't try to offend Jews or Greeks or the church of God. Try to please everyone and everything, not seeking for your own benefit, but for the benefit of many so that they may be saved. Imitate Paul as Paul imitates Christ. This also ties in the theme that he introduced at the end of chapter nine, becoming all things to all people so that by the grace of God, he might win some. 
It's a beautiful way to live life. It puts my, personally, my, my political views in perspective. They're not nearly as important to me as the Great Commission. It puts other things as well in perspective, uh, where the main thing I wanna lead with is the gospel, the gospel, the gospel. When it comes to meat sacrifice to idols, when it comes to political opinions, when it comes to conspiracy theories, when it comes to fill in the blank, like none of that stuff matters as much as the gospel of Jesus Christ. To the glory of God, do whatever it takes to reach as many people as you possibly can for the gospel of Jesus Christ. Imitate Paul as Paul imitates Christ.